Today, we hear many cries for social justice, but is it the same cry for justice heard from the ancient prophets? Or is it a Trojan horse for the state redistribution of wealth, resources, and opportunities for the purpose of achieving equal outcomes for disparate groups? Biblical justice, on the other hand, is the application of God's righteous standard equally to all people, places, and circumstances. The unequal application of such leads to oppression and injustice, which is why Christians should be the best and most engaged justice warriors. Micah 6 and verse 8 asks, What does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God? I'm Ron Jones, and this is Something Good. Social justice is a popular theme here in the 21st century, but is modern-day social justice the same thing as biblical justice? Hello and welcome to this Friday edition of Something Good with Dr. Ron Jones, lead pastor at Atlantic Shores Baptist Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia. I'm Brian Davis. Thanks for stopping by. Well, the prophet Micah was a man of modest means, what today we might call a backwoods country preacher, and he cried out for justice to those who were oppressing the poor. What kind of justice was Micah talking about? Is it the same as what many are demanding today? Find out next as Ron continues his teaching series, Route 66, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible. Stay right here or stop by our new digital streaming platform at somethinggoodradio.org to listen to the broadcast on your schedule. That's somethinggoodradio.org. You can also subscribe to the podcast at Spotify, at Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From Atlantic Source Baptist Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia, where he serves as lead pastor, here's Ron with today's Something Good radio message, Micah, What the Lord Requires. Let's play Jeopardy, all right? Uh, the category is uh, Roman mythology for 100. Are you ready for this? She wears a blindfold and holds a set of scales in one hand. If your answer is, uh, who is Lady Justice, you are correct. In fact, uh, for centuries, the goddess of justice has been the symbol of due process here in America and in uh, places all around the world. Lady Justice, you may remember, wears a blindfold so that facts and evidence tip the scales of justice instead of uh, bias and personal preference. What does Lady Justice have to do with our study of the Old Testament minor prophets? Well, many of the Old Testament prophets, including Micah, who we'll visit today, speak against the social and economic injustices laid upon the poor and, and upon weak people by uh, powerful rulers in their day. The verse most Bible readers associate with the book of Micah is the one we read just a few minutes ago, Micah chapter 6 and verse 8. He has told you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. Um, some good instruction for us today. Now today we hear many cries for social justice. So-called social justice warriors today, they talk and they protest and sometimes riot in the streets 
in the hopes of making massive societal changes that tip the scales more evenly between the rich and the poor, between the powerful and the weak, the advantaged and the disadvantaged. Social justice sounds good, doesn't it? I mean, who could, who could argue against the premise of social justice? Even the American way speaks of justice for all. But are today's social justice warriors in step with the Lord's prophets of old? It's a good question. Is social justice as it is meant today the same justice for which the prophets cried out? If the Lord requires us to do justice, what does that look like? How do we achieve that? What are the means and the methods of biblical justice? These are the kinds of questions that Micah, an Old Testament prophet, who lived 2,700 years ago, well, Micah gives us an opportunity to wrestle with these very relevant, hot-off-the-press kinds of questions. Before we answer those, though, we got to get to know Micah. we got to go back 2,700 years ago and learn about this Old Testament prophet. Uh, like Amos, Micah was a country preacher. I love this about him. He's a country preacher from a small rural town about 25 miles southwest of Jerusalem on the border of uh, Philistia and Judah near Gath. Yeah, I don't exactly know where that is either, but that's the point. He's another uh, no-name prophet from an out-of-the-way place. He's also among the Old Testament prophets that we can set within a specific historical context. We don't know much about Micah, but we know... Um, where he lived, and we know the time frame that he ministered in. Micah chapter 1 and verse 1 sets the historical context. It says, The word of the Lord that came to Micah of Moresheth in the days of Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah, which he saw concerning Samaria and Jerusalem. Uh, we might say Micah was a, a justice warrior for his time, and he grew up in a humble place, far from the ruling elite. But he boldly took the Lord's prophetic message to the capital cities of the northern and southern kingdoms, thus the reference to Samaria, the capital of the northern kingdom, and Jerusalem, the capital of the southern kingdom. He aimed his ministry toward anybody who might use their social or economic or even political power for personal gain and in doing so abuse the poor and the weak. Micah held nothing back when he targeted the corrupt rulers, the false prophets, and the immoral priests of his day. Oh, for a Micah to show up today who would do the same. Now, he's considered one of the minor prophets as compared to, say, uh, one of his contemporaries, a major prophet named Isaiah. Remember Isaiah? 66 chapters in the book of Isaiah. It's enormous. Uh, Micah and, and, and Isaiah probably knew each other and perhaps compared their prophetic notes in, uh, in Jerusalem, uh, which is why some of their messages sound familiar. For example, Micah chapter 4, verses 1 to 3, is almost uh, verbatim, uh, nearly identical, we might say, to Isaiah 2, uh, verses 1 to 4. So these guys knew each other. They were contemporaries. They, they shared notes and thoughts and ideas. Of course, Isaiah's ministry stature was enormous. Uh, you might think that, you know, people would be quoting Isaiah for centuries to come and everybody would be talking about Isaiah and his ministry, and they did. But actually, 100 years 
after Micah's smaller ministry, some of Jerusalem's elders reached for his writings, and they quoted this lesser-known prophet during their defense of Jeremiah after his blistering temple sermon. Do you remember that in Jeremiah chapter 26? The prophet Jeremiah got himself in trouble. And some people back then called for Jeremiah's execution after he was arrested for preaching about the destruction of Jerusalem. But some of the elders in Jerusalem stood up and said, didn't Micah the prophet say something about the destruction of Jerusalem? And they quoted Micah chapter three and verse 12 from 100 years earlier, and it worked. It spared Jeremiah's life. And it also extended the influence of this prophet named Micah from Moresheth. Now, Micah expressed his prophetic call in chapter 3 and verse 8, and I always love to kind of get a sense of uh, what these prophets said about their own call uh, into the ministry that they, they took on. Chapter 3 and verse 8, Micah says, But as for me, I am filled with power, with the Spirit of the Lord, and with justice and might to declare to Jacob his transgression and to Israel his sin. Again, Micah was... Uh, a justice warrior for his time. Like other men who spoke for God in the Old Testament, Micah weaves uh, the Lord's promises about uh, hope and a future restoration and a remnant for Israel, mixes those in with his judgment-laced prophecies. Each major section in the book, and the book is seven chapters long, we'll break it into three major sections. Each major section starts with the word here. It's kind of like when Jesus said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Have you got your ears on? Uh, it's imploring us to listen to the word of the Lord spoken through his prophet Micah. That was true for people 2,700 years ago. It's true for us today. We, we need to tune our ears to the frequency of uh, the Lord's prophets. Well, let's just take it uh, major section by major section, beginning with uh, chapters 1 and 2, where Micah delivers a, a stern message Listen to this, for the transgression of Jacob and for the sins of the house of Israel. He's encompassing both the southern kingdom and the northern kingdom there. And he uses some stark imagery to describe the Lord's intended purpose, which was to tread upon the high places of the earth. The high places were the idolatrous worship sites. And, and, and Micah helps us picture uh, the Almighty One crushing the idolatrous worship sites with his very presence. He says, when the Lord comes out of his place, listen to this, the mountains will melt under him and the valleys will split open like wax before the fire, like waters poured down a steep place. And then he singles out Samaria, the capital city of the northern kingdom. And Micah says in chapter one and verse seven, all her carved images shall be beaten to pieces, all her wages shall be burned with fire, and all her idols I will lay waste. You kind of get the sense that God doesn't mess around with idolatry. Whether it's an, an idol worship spot built more than 3,000 or almost 3,000 years ago, or uh, idolatrous shrines we build in our own life, <laughs> namely even ourselves. Don't go away, because we'll be right back with more of Dr. Ron Jones' message, 
Micah, What the Lord Requires. And if you're new to our program, we want you to know that we archive all of Ron's messages at our website, somethinggoodradio.org. Again, that's somethinggoodradio.org. When you stop by, use the Partner tab right at the top of the homepage to check out the 828 Club, a special group of people who partner with Ron so that he can share the truth of God's Word the whole year through. Join the 828 Club from our website or give us a call at 757-276-1099. Again, that's 757-276-1099. Well, the prophet Micah gave a message to the capital cities of the two divided kingdoms of Israel. But first, he shared it with his rural neighbors, the people right outside his own front door. Here's Ron with the second half of today's Something Good radio message, Micah, What the Lord Requires. In the latter part of chapter 1, uh, verses 10 through the end of, of the chapter, verse 16, Micah uses some words with uh, similar sounds, closely related meanings. He's a creative communicator like some other prophets, only uh, we lose a bit of it in the English translation. If you were proficient in the Hebrew language and you read it in the original Hebrew language, uh, you, you, would, you would hear some of the word play that he uses. Um, he mentions 10 cities in these verses. All of them are in the Shephelah, a small rural region southwest of Jerusalem, uh, and it surrounds Morasheth, his hometown. You say, big deal, Pastor. Yeah, you read these 10 cities that are mentioned in the latter part of chapter 1, and I've never heard of them. That's kind of the point. Uh, Micah directs his first message to his rural neighbors, and I think it's worth pausing and making note of that. He he goes not first to the capital cities, but he brings his message right out his own front door, his own neighborhood. How many times have you heard me say the mission field starts right outside your front door? Oh, you, you can go to Africa or China, and maybe God's called you to those places, but are you a missionary here in your own neighborhood? Micah began at home. He was a home missionary first to his rural neighbors and then expanded from there. Chapter two begins with the word woe. It's a a word that signals a a strong warning to the oppressors, those that Micah say, who devise wickedness and work evil in their beds. He has in mind here the ruling elite, the powerful, the wealthy, who go to bed at night just thinking of ways to oppress the poor and the weak. For example, the ruling elite who covet a man's house and then exercise their power to seize their inheritance. I I mean, how familiar is that? In more ways than one, the ruling elite of our world and even our country uh, through uh, politics and other things uh, find ways to seize your inheritance and the poor and the weak can do nothing about it. The Lord will not tolerate such injustices especially when they come from the leaders who are in powerful positions, who have more money than they can count. Chapter 2 and verse 3 says, Therefore, thus says the Lord, and he's aiming at uh, uh, one of these ruling families back during Micah's time, uh, Behold, against this family I am devising disaster, from which you cannot remove your necks, and you shall not walk 
haughtily, for it will be a time of disaster. Yeah, watch out. Uh, if you're a poor or if you're a powerful and elite person and you oppress the poor and the weak, the Lord is coming after you. Now, that's pretty rough stuff in uh, chapters one and two, the first major section. And uh, Micah finishes up in chapter two and verse 12 with, with some hope and restoration for the remnant of Israel. He says, I will surely assemble all of you, O Jacob. I will gather the remnant of Israel. I will set them together like sheep in a fold, like a flock in its pasture, a noisy multitude of men. All right. Uh, Micah comes up for a breath of air. Uh, the first time he, he, he brings some hope to the remnant there. The next major section of prophetic messages encompasses chapter three all the way through chapter five. And here's where Micah really gets after the leader. He decries Israel's leadership and then points to a future ruler in Israel. Are you ready for this? Who will be born in Bethlehem. From ancient days, he will come. Who do you think that's all about? <laughs> we'll get to that in a moment. But Micah starts by denouncing the faulty political rulers. That's chapter 3, verses 1 to 4. And then he takes aim at the false prophets, verses 5 through 8. He lumps them together and say, says they are those who, listen to this, detest justice and make crooked all that is straight. Doesn't it make him mad when people assume or uh, wiggle their way into leadership positions in our world today, and they detest justice, and they make crooked all that is straight. They just make a mess of things for their own personal gain, and you feel powerless to do anything about it. Everything rises and falls on leadership, doesn't it? And more and more, it's, uh, it's becoming difficult to find good, faithful, and trustworthy leaders it's hard to find good people who will run for political office to steward our country. And you get some of these people in there and you're going, what is this all about? Nations languish when feckless, incompetent people who lack integrity and detest justice assume leadership positions. And the Lord had enough of it in Israel you know, 2,700 years ago and he said as much through the prophet Micah. He said, uh, Jerusalem, quote unquote, shall become a heap of ruins unless the political leaders and the religious leaders get their act together. I'm going to wipe this place out. Chapter four stands at the midpoint of the book. And uh, again, this book is seven chapters. Chapter four is well, sort of like Mount Everest rising above the rhetorical dark clouds of the previous chapters. And in, in, in a, a literary kind of way, uh, the book points to chapter four, which is all about hope and restoration. It opens by describing this glorious time of future restoration for God's people. Micah says it'll happen in the last days, verse one of chapter four, the last days. Are we in the last days? We're airing a series of messages right now on Something Good Radio. Um, uh, my study of the book of Revelation. I titled it Mysteries of the Apocalypse. The last days of planet Earth and the return of Jesus Christ. Are we in the last days? Technically, yes. That's a period of time in the Bible that starts with the birth of Jesus Christ and goes all the way to the 
end of the age, okay, as far as you can see in Bible prophecy. Question is, are we in the final days of the last days? I don't know. Nobody does because nobody knows the day or the hour of uh, the Son of Man's return. But we're 27 years closer than Micah was when he wrote about what would happen in the last days. And it sure seems like we're getting closer and closer as the world is being conditioned for a lot of what we read about happening uh, toward the very, very end. Uh, Micah writes about a uh, time of peace when the nations of the world, and maybe you've heard this before, will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. That's chapter 4 and verse 3. This time of peace uh, will require new leadership. Again, much of the, the book of Micah is, is, is targeting the corrupt, immoral leaders of the time. Get rid of the bunch and not replace them with you know, worse leaders than that or just ones that are a little bit better. But no, uh, the, the leadership the Lord puts in front of the people through Micah, well, it brings us to chapter 5 and verse 2 which aside from chapter 6 and verse 8, which, you know, people who know their Bibles in the book of Micah, they think of Micah 6, 8. Do justice, love kindness, walk humbly before your God. The next verse we remember is chapter 5 and verse 2. It's Micah's Christmas prophecy. We talk about this one at Christmas time. And we usually pluck it out of its context but I want to put it right back in the context. So, so you see this prophecy in light of what's going on in Micah's time. Micah chapter 5 and verse 2. But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah. <laughs> there were many little towns, rural towns named Bethlehem. This one specifically, Bethlehem, Ephrathah. It's where David grew up. This is a messianic prophecy. But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah... Out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel whose origins are from old, from ancient times. As surely as Micah correctly prophesied of the birth of Christ, he will be proven right about the future return of Christ. On that day, perfect justice and perfect mercy will reign supreme under the loving hand of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You're listening to Something Good Radio with Dr. Ron Jones. Today's message, Micah, What the Lord Requires, along with all of Ron's messages, can be heard on demand at somethinggoodradio.org. Use the radio tab right at the top of the homepage. That's somethinggoodradio.org. While you're there, be sure to check out a discipleship coaching experience developed by Dr. Ron Jones called Starting Point, A Disciple's First Steps. It's a return to the fundamentals of the Christian faith, one that will help you make disciples of Jesus Christ who will go and make more disciples. To find Starting Point, A Disciple's First Steps, look for Something Good courses when you visit somethinggoodradio.org. For your gift to Something Good Radio, we'll send you a new resource written by Dr. Ron Jones that goes along with his current series, Route 66, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible. It's an ebook that covers the 12 minor prophets of the Old Testament, Hosea through Malachi. This content is available for a limited time to our monthly partners or for anyone who sends a gift today. 
Give online at somethinggoodradio.org or mail your gift to P.O. Box 6245, Virginia Beach, Virginia, 23456. Or call our offices at 757-276-1099. This has nothing to do with politics. When you talk about a, a, a system, a godless, evil system of governing lives that destroys human life, not theoretically, but has actually destroyed human lives and stolen individual freedoms, that is a moral and spiritual issue and must be addressed from today's pulpits. I've been looking for an opportunity. Micah of Morishev gave me that opportunity. That's next time when Ron shares part two of his message, Micah, What the Lord Requires. Join us then for Something Good. For Ron and the entire team here at Something Good Radio, I'm Brian Davis saying God bless and thanks for listening.